everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. And this episode is a wild one. And I've been wanting to do it since the beginning. And we almost did it. Don't know why. It has it all. Maybe it was one of the early ones that we just never released. The lost episodes. I don't think you and I have talked about this. Okay. But I definitely think I've seen it. And I am... I feel like we have to quit after this episode because it kind of has a lot of the things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it has all the things. It's an epic dateline. Buckle up, you guys. This is it. Buckle up. We're still in the Olympics. That is why we are doing a repeat. This is called The Shadow, and it aired September 11th, 2015, and season 23, episode 74, hosted by our leaning on a cop car... Arlene King, Keith Morrison. From the jump, they show the lean in the little preview of what's to come at the beginning, which I said I wasn't going to watch and then totally did. Yep. The lean on the cop car. That is a lawfully good lean. Oh, that might be my Instagram caption. Lawfully good. I'm writing it down. That's good work there, Kimber. Thank you. Oh, by the way, living it up in Lebanon is a big hit. It is coming to an off, 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 off Broadway theater house near you. Off driveway outside of Lowe's parking lot. <laughs> yeah. In Glendale, California. Yeah. Coming circa 2024, because that's about how long it'll take us to come up with all the lyrics we're going to need. Yeah. But we've gotten some good ones already. People are submitting. I spied a few on Instagram. I couldn't be more thrilled. And if you haven't listened to last week's episode and you don't know what we're talking about, this is your opportunity to do that. Yeah, do it. Living it up in Lebanon. I'm working on actual choreo. (laughs) But the thing is, we only have one or two lines. We have about maybe six bars of music. So it's going to be short, but powerful. Mm -hmm. We've gotten Lebanon a prayer. I saw that. That's excellent. Live, Laugh, Lebanon. Oh, I have not seen that. And we just got, because the guy's name was Yaz, all that Yaz. And all that Yaz. (laughs) I love it so much. Back to the shadow. 2014, Iowa. A cop is driving down a dark, dark road to his early shift. It's four in the morning. He sees a car on a curb and there's a man with no shirt knocking on his door. He was excited and sweating profusely. Like I am now, because it is 88 degrees in California today. The cop is super uneasy. And another cop comes and they call him a cab and they send him home. More on that story later. We don't really know why we're getting that at the very beginning. Now we are in Des Moines, Iowa, the heart of the heartland. There is a famous state fair there, which features all manner of deep fried delicacies. Was it the original World's Fair? Was that in Des Moines? No. Unsure. Maybe. Okay. I want to say somewhere in the Midwest. I want to say like St. Louis. That sounds good. Okay. I would buy that. Okay. Also, I'm going to start calling Keith all manner of, he's not deep fried though. He's like air fried. All manner of air fried delicacies. Keith Morrison. Yeah, that makes sense. He's a good fair person. He's fair skinned. Mm-hmm. And he's fair in judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iowa is known for nice people, but they're also, it's called Iowa nice. 
and I know because I'm obsessed with these YouTubers and they did this bike ride across the state that they do every year in Iowa and it's a big party. The whole state participate. It's really cool. Oh, nice guy. Justin Michael volunteered for he's Iowa nice volunteered for Habitat for Humanity. He's 31. We are meeting his parents and his siblings. He would give you the shirt off your back, his back, not your back. Why would he take off your shirt? He doesn't even know you. (laughs) He would take off his own shirt and give it to you. So mark that off your bingo cards. He even saved his younger sister from the ocean when they were younger, which is like an actual hero. He met Angie Verhul and they fell in love at first sight. They go skydiving together and Keith is... (laughs) Apparently not a skydiving fan because he goes, what the heck were you thinking? Keith is very animated this whole episode. I loved it. He was very animated. And I like that he's not a skydiver because it terrifies me. Yeah, I don't want him in the air. I want him on ground. I want him in a protective bubble. I don't even really want him in a hot air balloon, to be honest. No. Not even in a basket in the air. Those are terrifying. No, I don't even want him in a basket on the ground. Unless it was like a basket filled with kittens. What about a Ferris wheel? We see Ferris wheel footage. No, way too high. Oh boy. All right. Justin and Angie get engaged two months after they meet, very fast. And she moved in with him and they start planning their wedding. One night, Justin's mom came to visit them. This is two months before the wedding. And she's asleep in the bedroom down the hall. In the middle of the night, she hears the door open and she sees a dark silhouette figure a.k.a. The Shadow, standing in the doorway, and she sees a red laser light beam scanning the bed. And she kind of thinks, oh, it's a flashlight? She's confused. I would immediately think it's a sniper. (laughs) Maybe I watched too much Dateline. No, I I think I would too. Maybe she just doesn't watch a lot of TV or movies. Maybe doesn't watch a lot of spy stuff, you know? She's not a James Bond fan. I respect that. I don't think James Bond... Well, maybe he does. You would know more than me. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Like Mission Impossible. I don't see that as being her brand. So she freezes when she sees this figure whom Keith calls. When you saw him, it, whatever. I thought it was funny that Keith is like it. I didn't know if he was talking about Pennywise or if he meant it was like a monster, like an other humanly feature. The figure leaves her room, goes into Angie and Justin's room. Angie, meanwhile, wakes up, hears a popping noise and sees a figure running out and starts screaming because she and the mom who rushes in see that Justin has a bullet hole in his head. My God. Terrible. In the middle of the night. Angie's instinct was to see how the person came in. So she's checking all the entrances, which I was super could be suspicious. It's very tactical. If she's either a Navy SEAL or a manager at a raw stress for less. I feel like those are skills that that job would employ, that she had the presence of mind. Well, and the weird thing, because you would expect that, again, maybe of a military person. I would be in a puddle on the floor along with my urine. She's one of those jump to action people. Okay, this horrible thing has just happened. We are going to check out of that. Yeah. We'll check back in with that later emotionally. But right now we need to make sure we're secure. Yes. His mom is here, an elderly woman. She goes into kind of protective mode, which is shocking. Yeah. It also explains the 911 call where she seems very calm. She says, someone just shot my fiance in the head. He's dead. And they're like, "Okay, do you want to check to see? And she's like, no, he's dead. I know he is. 
like that matter of fact. But the mom is also that matter of fact on her 911 call. Correct. I think that's the Iowan. It was really surprising. Frantic is the farthest thing from what they are. And the cops are super sus of this immediately. The DVD player had been pulled out of the wall and there was a fluorescent sweatshirt on the floor. And the police take them out of the house. Angie can't go into the room to get her glasses because she's too upset. Takes the women out of the house, not the sweatshirt. The, yes, the women out of the house. So she has the mom go in. And so the mom has to go in and see her son again to get Angie's glasses and says goodbye. It's very, she's so brave. And then she has to call her husband and tell him what happened. We meet a local reporter, Stephanie Moore, who is pregnant. I don't know if we've ever seen a pregnant local reporter. I was excited. Don't mark it off your bingo cards because it definitely won't be there. It's not there. It is a very safe area. This city is called, or town is called Grimes. And she says, no crime in Grimes. But Elon Musk in Grimes. Oh, snap. Oh, I got it. It took me too long. Sorry, I don't know what that song is. He's not in Grimes anymore, though. I know, but it would have been so good. He put a baby in Grimes. No one locks their doors in Grimes. Neither does Grimes, which is why she has that baby with that weird name. Grimes is fascinating to me. She is so fascinating. I watched something with her and I just couldn't look away. I was like, What's going on with you? Where were you born? Tell me your history. I think she was born on another planet. And I mean that in all respects. I think she says that. That would be a thing that she would allude to that, well, I was born in Little Rock, but really. Well, you know those tattoos she got all over her back? They're like white veins. She wanted them to look like alien veins. Some people thought they looked like something else and they were not happy. Anyways, (laughs) so- They put mom and Angie in different interrogation rooms. Keith says anxiety is like a virus. It's spread fast in Grimes. And we spend at least 20 minutes throughout the episode talking about how confused all the neighbors are because no one's telling them what's up and there's cop cars everywhere and reporters. I'm mostly going to skip all over that because we just keep coming back to it and the neighbors are still trying to figure out what's going on, but we don't really get interviews with any of them. We get one guy. I think it's just, it's suffice to say crime, no crime and grime equals neighbors being worried, locking doors and mild panic. Yeah. Anxiety is like a virus. We meet detective Robin Bartholomew, which you should see how I tried to spell that name. And she thought it was strange that there was no blood spatter on Angie, even though she was lying right next to Justin. The police are very suspicious. They think that it was a staged burglary. Mark that off your bingo cards. Also, at this point, Keith does this thing that's not on the bingo cards, but I kind of feel like it is. He fidgets a lot in his chair. His body wants to lean and he's fighting it, trying to will his body not to lean in the chair. And then he gives up and he takes one arm and he puts it over the back rung of the chair and does this side like where he's sitting sideways in the chair with one arm, like a casual professor of poetry trying to talk to one of his students. But he's talking to the detectives. We're going to go with that. (laughs) You didn't notice. What is actually happening? This is a lanky person problem. Oh, okay. I would not know. Chairs are weird, especially if it's, they're not bringing the same chair for Keith every time. So if there's something awkward 
It's a lanky fidget. It's a lanky fidget. He has the limbs that the limbs need to go somewhere. I have often been in this position. He's like, one's going to go on my lap. Yeah. One's going to go towards the back of the chair. And you end up just kind of looking like a spider because it's your torso is small and the limbs are long. And so it's just they weave into each other like a very. Yeah. Like Grimes. Just kind of weird looking. (laughs) In a good way. In a good way. I'm not being mean. I, Grimes, that is how they present themselves to the world. Absolutely. Angie and the mom, again, don't seem upset enough in their interrogation room. But again, Iowa. But the detectives who are also from Iowa seem to think it's incredibly odd. And they should be used to this sort of stalwartness. That's why I think it's not Iowa. That makes me think it is more than Iowa. Yeah. So Angie said the figure was all black, like it was all wearing black. She just saw like a shadow, hence the title. Robin plays the 911 calls, and she's also shocked by how curiously devoid of emotion Keith says they are. Even Keith is saying they're curiously devoid of emotions. Detective Hopper, he's the male detective. He says, you know, you go where the leads take you. And then Keith says, so you do. Then Keith says another amazing phrase. The detectives employ the rule, when in doubt, suspect all about. Could that be a lyric for living it up in Lebanon? Yeah. When in doubt, suspect all about. Suspect, like you're at, you're, the verb is suspect. Suspect everything. It's very good, Keith. Yeah. Bartholomew and Hopper. Great name for detectives. Really good. They should have their own PI agency. They wonder, has Angie had a past relationship that she could have had conflict with and that's what's causing this? She had been married and divorced before, but there was no bad blood. It was all mad love. I was really hoping Keith would finish the Tay-Tay lyric that he started, but no, he just left it dangling there. She had dated Andy Wagner, no, Wagon, Wegener. Wegener. Wagoner. Wegener. And she lived with him for three years. And she even lived with him after they broke up. So they were very close. She had moved on, but there have been some strange things that just don't happen in Grimes. Again, mark it off your bingo cards. So the strange things that have been happening to Angie, one night she had parked her car outside of Justin's house and her car windows had been smashed. The car was keyed and dented and Justin's prized fruit trees had been killed. We've never seen a botanical homicide on Dateline. This is our first, I think. I don't even know if botanical is the right word. Isn't there one where they dug up the flowers? It was tulips or something. Do you remember what I'm talking about? It was a guy, he was killed in his house, but outside he had I want to say petunias. I feel like I'm confusing about eight things right now. So I'm going to be quiet. No, you might be right. I might be right, but more likely that I'm wrong. So I'm going to be quiet. (laughs) No, let's go with right. The police ask, you know, were you guys into anything? Did you get high or did Justin sell drugs? I love when cops are like, did you get high? I don't know why it sounds like they're cool kids. It sounds a little hokey. Hello, my fellow teens. Yeah. Do you guys get high? (laughs) 
So like, did Justin sell drugs? She says no. But now she's starting to think, did I even know him at all? And at this point, she cries in the interrogation room when she realized that Justin was singled out. This wasn't a burglary. It was someone wanted to kill him. And the detective says, are you protecting someone? Because this is unacceptable, which is the most under... We know. This mur- yeah, we it's a murder. I find this whole murder thing unacceptable. I also found it unacceptable that they gave her a red Solo cup to drink out of in the interrogation room like she's at a keg party. Another thing I find unacceptable are socks that aren't Bombas. I find them distasteful, rude, frankly, unacceptable. All the way around. I'm a Bombas snob. I freely admit it. Bombas is amazing. And Bombas's mission as a company is simple. They make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So let's get this right. Amazing socks and clothes and altruistic. It doesn't really get better than that. It's bombastically awesome. Mm-hmm. When you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone else in need. Bombas designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes that you cannot wait to put on every day. I think I have made no secret about how much I love my Bombas socks. And I do actually take a second to pick which ones I'm going to wear. I don't have an infinite amount, even though I do have many and a variety. I can't wear grippers every day, so I have to space them. It's a thing. Everything that Bombas makes is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a luxury cozy feel. They're made from super soft materials like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cashmere, which makes them the perfect cozy layers. And there's a pair of Bombas socks for everything that you do. They come in tons of options, really comfortable performance styles for every sport and activity, and they keep you moving and they make your feet feel great while you're moving. It's incredible. My holiday sock gift giving this year was off the charts. I gave Bomba socks to every single member of Oliver's family. I basically pushed them on them and were like, these are the best socks in the world. His mom said that the Merino wool gripper house socks, she ordered three more pairs. She loved them so much. They're the best. That's like a glowing endorsement from her. It is I wish I could express how much this is huge. It was massive. And also the cool thing was because Bombas makes performance stocks for different sports individually, his brother cycles. I was able to give him the cycling socks. Again, his mom plays tennis. I gave her a pair of the actual tennis socks, the tennis performance. Bombas just make socks for everyone and every activity and in return, give another pair out. It's amazing. Also, Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and the perfect weight so they hang just right on the body, which is a dream. Also, Bombas underwear has a barely there feel. They have second skin support that honestly might make you forget that they're there, which isn't a bad thing. I'd be fine if I never felt underwear again. Be totally fine. And also, socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested items at homeless shelters, and that's why Bombas donates one for each one you buy. It's a win-win. Get thee to Bombas. Go to bombas.com slash date dateline and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash date dateline for 20% off, which is a chunk. That is a great deal from Bombas. Bombas.com slash date dateline. Bumbles, 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 bumbles. Mr. Bombastic. Dun, dun, dun. I can't remember the other lyrics. They are fantastic. Hey, thank you so much, Bombas. Thank you, Bombas. 
Relationships take work, especially the most important relationship in your life, your relationship to Keith Morrison. No. Your best friend. (laughs) Your relationship to your best friend slash podcasting partner. No. Your relationship with yourself. That's true. Because Keith is off leaning on chairs and police cars. Who are you leaning on? Yourself. Our next sponsor, BetterHelp, can help you treat yourself as well as you treat others. BetterHelp is online therapy offering video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So if you're camera shy, you don't need to see anyone on camera you don't want to. Although you're all beautiful and don't need to be ashamed. True. BetterHelp is more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I'm working with my therapist on feeling my feelings and coping with anxiety in healthier ways than binge watching Dateline and eating all manner of deep fried delicacies. And by dedicating that time every week to therapy, it's reminding myself that I can show up for myself and that I matter. Fantastic. And you matter. Do you matter? Do you matter? I'm talking to you. Each one of you, you matter. Please contact BetterHelp today to start living a happier and healthier life. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and a date with Dateline listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Dateline. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash Dateline. Because we can all use a little better help yourself. Yeah. Because who else do you got? I mean, I got four cats in there. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but they don't really listen to me. So, yeah, I could definitely use some better help. Thank you, better help. Thank you, better help. Keith says that maybe someone who still loved Angie killed Justin. He says that's devious to say, but these things do happen. He says devious a lot. Devious might be his. I think it's safe to say. Three hours into the interview with Angie, she suddenly remembers this other guy she dated besides Andy. She says, well, we didn't really date. That's why I didn't think about him. You know, I didn't feel like he was seriously into dating and neither was I. His name was Dave. She can't remember his last name. And the detective is like, you don't know his last name? And she's like, Dave, 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 Dave. Like when you're trying, John, just Joseph Justerton. J- Jingleheimer from Schmidt. Yeah. John Jameson. James Chesterton. James Chesterton. Has anyone seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Anybody? Hands? We've done it before. So if you haven't seen it by now, I... Yeah, we don't know what to tell you. It's too late. (laughs) So she's trying to think of Dave's last name. And Keith starts to, at this point, second guess all of Angie's stories by asking us the audience questions in voiceover. He says, she couldn't remember his last name? And I was like, Keith, are you talking to me? Also, yeah, she can't remember that. She's been through a trauma. Yeah, it's all right. But the detective also thought it was odd. So I think they don't understand. Not Keith. Keith is very young. But I think she's a young woman who's 30 and maybe dating a couple guys. She was only hung out with him a couple times. And now she's been through some trauma. She might not remember his last name. I think it's more that that proves how much in shock she is because she seems like a pretty quick young lady. I think it's just you have all this other stuff clogging your brain at the moment. So she can't. There's a block there. She can't get through to the last name right now. 
I just feel like when you meet people, last names become less and less important than like when you're in school, you hear their name being called in attendance, you know their last name. Right. But as an adult, I feel like I don't necessarily know everyone's last name. Is that weird? No, I think that's normal. You're lucky I know people's first names. So count your blessings, people. (laughs) So her and Dave texted and hung out a few times at bars. She thought he was funny and they kind of flirted and they'd see each other like once a week, but it stopped when she met Justin and she knew Justin was the one right away. So she avoided Dave and kind of started to ghost him. And that's when Dave, Keith says, texted her referring to a reality show. And I was like, what reality show? Oh my God. Is it America's Next Top Model? What was it? Dave sent her a text that said, I'm going to get your final red rose. What show is that? Really? Just kidding. Okay. (laughs) No, I'm not having another Paul Holes moment. Everybody calm down. (laughs) Calm down, internet. (laughs) So she thought it was creepy because they had never talked about being exclusive or anything like that. But Keith is like nodding like he totally gets it. He does seem to understand casual dating. For someone who's been married forever, he's like, yeah, that told, I understand you were just casually dating. He's done a lot of datelines. He knows what casual dating is. He's on it. Yeah. She asked her friends, do I have to like meet with this guy who said that bachelor line to me or can I just break up with him through text? And the friend said, you don't owe this guy anything. Text him. It's fine. Those are good friends. I don't like face-to-face anyways. I prefer texting. I don't want a phone call. I don't want face-to-face. Please text me. I mean, she did text him, right? She didn't just disappear. She texted him, but she thought, do I need to go meet with him? I don't think so. I have to say, I feel like that's a person-by-person basis. Yeah. So I think that maybe her gut instinct was that she did need to see him in person and she was looking for her friends to let her off the hook, which they did because they're good friends. In most circumstances, I think it's fine, especially if it's been a couple of weeks. It's like not that serious. All you would say is I'm seeing this one person more seriously. We're going to be exclusive. But done. Yeah, that should be enough. So she told Dave, I want to be honest with you. I met this guy, this other guy, and I am going to be seriously seeing him. He didn't take it well. Dave said, I know you've been running around behind my back like very strange. They hadn't even seen each other in the past two weeks because she had been ghosting him. It's very strange. And Keith says, how unpleasant, which was unpleasant. And Dave called her nasty names and told her to eat poop and die. Horrible. That's a lot, Dave. That's a lot. Stop it. Calm down, man. And then a lot of niceties like, no, we can work it out. I'm so sorry. And Keith says, oh, He knows this toxic, hot and cold behavior that's very bad. And so finally, she just stopped responding to him, which is correct. Just disengage. Yeah. Don't encourage any more conversation. And this happened 11 months, so almost a full year before Justin was murdered. And she still can't remember his name in the interrogation. And then Keith says to us, really? Keith. Finally, she remembers the name. It's Dave Moffat. Also a fun name. I like that name, Moffat. I feel like you'd remember Moffat. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you would remember Moffat. But it could be just one of those things that flew out, like it was gone. I think she met him at a bar. She wrote Dave in her phone. 
and she never followed him on social media. So she's hanging out with this guy, Dave. I think she maybe got his name once. It's that casual. Yep. I think it's that casual. So he was a local accountant and he came from a wealthy Iowa family. Hello, Dave Moffat. I'm just kidding. He sounds horrible. Who? Okay, this part's weird because I don't believe in coincidences. He got a job at the same Wells Fargo office as Justin. There are 10,000 Wells Fargo employees in Des Moines, and they were working basically in the same cubicle of all the bank employees. And Keith says coincidences come in clusters. So if Keith believes in coincidences, I guess I have to, because I do trust Keith. What is he doing in this episode? We had the suspect thing, the all the world are suspects or whatever that one was. He's pulling out the phrases. Yeah. Is this sweeps week? He's trying to Dennis us. I also love the alliteration. Do they though? I don't know. Maybe. Like bad things come in threes. Like a cluster headache? I don't understand what's happening (laughs) here. Okay. All right. So the police are checking to see if Dave had a weapons permit. And meanwhile, another cop is hearing this and says, did you say Dave Moffat? Like, I remember that name. Like she she can remember the name right away. And she realizes he had a car impounded that very morning, half an hour after Justin's homicide at 4 a.m., six miles away from the murder. He had been in a car accident. And then we rewind to the very beginning. And now we're, it's all coming full circle. So by pure coincidence, another coincidence. Oh, here's the second cl- in the cluster. All right. This cop was visiting his girlfriend's grandma in the hospital overnight and then was on his way to the early shift. So he's not even on official duty. And when he sees this car like up on a curb, And it's dark, like he almost missed it. He just happened to be on this road and he sees that it's been in an accident and by itself, a lone accident and the airbags are deployed. He thought this is weird. He felt uncomfortable about it, especially when Dave came up to him. I believe they said he was shirtless too, which we don't really delve into. Why? Yeah, well, hmm. So he comes up to him and asks him for a ride. And he's like, I'm not really comfortable with that. I'm on my way to my shift. This is not my jurisdiction. I'm going to call somebody from this department and get you some help. And he calls it in, but they're all tied up with a shooting in Grimes, the very shooting. So this second cop finally gets there, who is a total hot cop. I liked him. We get a little more time with him. I was like, if this guy was single... I would try to set him up with Kimber. There we go. I thought he would be a really fun date for you. Yeah. Okay. I liked him. So he said Dave smelled sweet. And so he thought he might be drinking. And especially because it's a lone car accident, it looks like he missed a very sharp turn and kind of hit the curb really badly. And is it's not good. The second cop, so Mr. Hot Cop, he thought hey, we just had this homicide an hour ago. We still haven't found the suspect. He asked the guy, this stranger, have you been in Grimes tonight? And when he asked him this, he said, all the hairs on my, and then he's bald. 
hot cop is bald. So he goes, all the hair on my, not on my head, on my body. I loved it. It was great. It was really cute, actually. It was super cute. He stood up, the hair stood up. He just, Dave makes him feel very nervous for some reason. He's armed and everything, but Dave is freaking him out. He gets a very bad gut instinct about Dave. Mm -hmm. But he tests him. He hasn't been drinking. He just smells very sweet and is very sweaty. So he has no reason to arrest him, but he checks the car and he doesn't have insurance. So he impounds the car for lack of insurance and they call the guy a cab and sends him on his way. They don't take him in for that? No, they would just give you like a ticket. Okay. So by the scene of the car accident, police find ammo that matched the shell casings at the murder, paper shooting targets, a camo neckcloth, and shooter's earmuffs. And then Keith says, you know what they say about assumptions? And I don't really know how that works into what he's talking about, but I like when he's throwing in all these phrases. And... They also find a shoebox out there in the brush off this dark road. And they find in the shoebox a receipt for an oil change for Andrew Wegener. Oh, wow. Who you might remember, Angie's ex-boyfriend that she lived with. We also find out he's a funeral director. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, me too, actually. I think that's a really good job, though. Like, it's totally respectable. And I think you make a good living. It is. But I think it's really surprising when someone is young. I think it must be a family business. So they bring in Andrew because of the receipt in the shoebox. He says, yeah, I dated Angie. We lived together. I only met Justin once at a party. And I haven't talked to Angie in a while. She sent me a text on my birthday. And that was it. We don't really talk. They ask him about the receipt. He says, oh, it should be in my car or in my house. I don't know. And they said, if it was anywhere else, if it did show up anywhere, why would it be there? And he's like, I threw it out. I don't know. He does have a gun, but he hasn't shot it in years. And he seems, I have to say, very calm, very nice. Seems like something with nothing to hide. So either a very good actor or, yeah. 100%. He has a new girlfriend. And he was at her house overnight. There's no security cameras at her apartment building, but she says that he was there. So police are looking into him. They're also looking into David Moffat. And so they search his house. Oh boy. They find surveillance notes about Angie and Justin's neighbors, like when they turn their lights off. And there's a creek by their house. And if it's wide enough to jump across, very strange. That would be a crick. We're in Iowa. It's a crick. Oh, crick. Sorry. Apologies. Mm-hmm. It's all right. And they find a bill of sale for a gun in Andy Wegener's name in David Muffet's Moffitt's house. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. This is getting complicated. So what did you think? Oh, you've seen this a million times. I always want to ask you what you thought at that point. What did you think? I thought they were in it together. Okay. Yeah. There's no evidence that they even know each other at this point. So cops are just very confused. I don't need evidence. No. (laughs) We don't need evidence. That's not what this show is about. Gut instinct. Yeah. Like that cop. Yeah. Just goes on your gut. That's exactly right. So the guy who sold the gun 
to Andy Wegener is my new husband. But this is actually maybe we need to find him. He's a ginger slash blondish gentleman. He's a golden ginger. Mm-hmm. Golden ginge, a double GG. And he is, his name is Drew. He's an English teacher who lives. Drew Behaldewin. Is that what it was? Behaldewin? It was like an extra syllable in Baldwin. Kimberly Behaldewin. Behaldwin. I'm there for it. I like it. KB. Can I call you KB? Okay. So Drew is an English teacher. He lives 90 miles away. And Keith, he says, I'm an English teacher. And Keith says, there is something you can do with a degree in English. Keith. <laughs> is so delightful in this episode. Also. That. <laughs> Shade. Was that a reference to one of my favorite musicals, Avenue Q? Unsure. I do feel like Keith has seen Avenue Q, though. I feel like Keith has seen a fair share of musicals. I think he goes to the theater. And there's a song called What Do You Do With the BA in English? Which can apply to communications, to theater, to basically anything in the arts. Podcast hosting. There we go. There we go. So I was a minor, though, so it doesn't really count. But you were a theater major. (laughs) Theater major. (laughs) Two arts. Two for the price of one. (laughs) My dad never thought I would have a job. Oh, the jokes I heard. Are you getting your degree in waiting tables? Not that there's anything wrong with that. Oh, they love that joke. Parents love that one. He said it so many times. And now I host a podcast, Dad, that you still don't listen to, but it's fine. He wears our merch. It doesn't sound impressive. I wish it sounded more. How about I own a company, Dad? I own my own company, Dad. I own my own company. I own several companies. I have my Etsy shop, too. I have a car. There we go. Does that sound good? Is it paid off? Yeah, it's paid off. There we go. Yeah. It's like 12 years old, but it's paid off. That's what's important. You focus on the positive. Stop it. Yeah. I drive very little. I really don't leave my house. I know you do. I'm thinking of all of this in my head. I'm just not saying it out loud. (laughs) So Keith is delighted by... Drew, who is an English teacher, and Keith says, this story that you got involved in, it would be a good novel. And so Drew goes on to tell us why he should be Kimberly's husband. Or our new best friend. Or our new best friend. He is a self-described nerd. Love that. And he's a metal detector enthusiast. Metal detectorist. Back again. Is it on the extreme bingo cards? No, it should be, though. Anything with, we should combine it into one square where it's like coins, metal detectoring, because we've had several episodes revolving around coins. Let's just have a square called treasure. Treasure. So that would be anything involving gold bullion, coins, something buried underground. But it has to be a good thing buried underground, not spare change. It's got to be good stuff. So... He says he loves looking for coins. That's his thing. He's always digging up all over the lawn. I'm sure his wife loves that. I think he does have a family already. He did say he had a family, but I chose to ignore it. He has a family. He says family. 
that could mean just parents and siblings. Doesn't necessarily. Let's say it does. So he is always digging up, looking for coins. But he says he's always looking for better coins. And apparently the quality of coins you can find with a metal detector that was. And then Keith says, well, to say down market may sound cruel. It does. Yes, it does, Keith. He wants better coins. And so he wants a better metal detector because I guess the stronger the metal detector, better stuff you're going to get. Or maybe the more stuff, the deeper it can. I don't know how it works. And you don't have to send me messages. It's okay. I think it is the sensitivity. Can I just clear it up? It increases sensitivity so it could dig deeper or sense smaller things, maybe. Correct. So I think that it'll do both. I think it'll sense things that are maybe encased in dirt more, things, you know, that are crusted over or whatever. Deeper and smaller. Yeah. Said no one ever, but that's, <laughs> let's press on. I don't know what's happening this It's Valentine's Day. That's what she didn't say. Boy, I'm embarrassed for myself. I'm apologized for myself and my entire household. And Grimes. We apologize to Grimes. That's <laughs> Grimes. I didn't mean to insult Grimes. Maybe I did. I don't know. So the metal detector that Drew is pining for is $600. And Keith says, are you out of your mind? Keith, that's not what? Keith. Doesn't Keith drive a Jaguar? I think it's playful ribbing, though. It's just a playful banter. And Drew has a very good attitude about having a hobby that Keith Morrison is mocking. He definitely does. He says, no, like, he's like, no, Keith, I'm not out of my mind. He says, that's a mid-range one. You can get metal detectors that are up to nine grand. And Keith says, well, that turns you into an uppercase nerd. And Drew is delighted. They are laughing. They are best friends now. It's so cute. Is Drew having the time of his life on Dateline? The time of his life. And I think Keith is too. I think they both are. This is a joyful scene. I think he went home and told his wife, I interviewed the most delightful metal detectorist today. I think he did too. And we're going to go to coffee next week. I could have watched this scene about 40 times, to be honest. This could be the ad for Dateline. Watch Dateline because it's got great stuff like this. It does. It has great stuff like this. They should put it on other networks too. Like they should put it on CBS during another show that is similar, but with numbers in its name and then show this interview in between. Yep. I hope that people aren't mad because we're really selling this hard and overselling it probably. Don't be angry. This tickled our funny bone. This was good stuff. I just love Drew. I love him. So Drew decides I need this metal detector. So I'm going to sell a gun that I have. And he sells it on arms list, which is apparently Craigslist for guns. You learn learn something something new every day. Every day. Same. We both said the same thing at the same time. Look at that. Hey. So he gets contacted by a guy. He says, no problem. You can come get the gun. I just need a photo ID before I can sell it to you. I want to make sure you're over 18. Drew does things by the book. So the name of the buyer is Andrew Wegener. And he emails from an email address, Andrew Wegener 47 at blah, blah, blah. So it appears to be Andrew Wegener. 
It sounds like you're saying it wrong every time you say it. I'm so sorry. It sounds like you're supposed to say Wagner and you're saying Wagner in some weird accent. I know, right? I know. But it sounded like that every time Keith said it too. It did. I thought Keith was miss saying it. But then when they show us the receipt, it's spelled out. No, it is Wagner. Indeed. Then we find out something very odd about our new friend, Drew. He also works part-time as a gas station because- Why don't we pay our teachers more? Why don't we pay our teachers more? Or does he do it for fun? I could kind of see him just doing it for fun. I think that this is where we do realize that he does have a family that he needs to support. And so he has to work two jobs. Yeah, it's not fair. I don't think that's right. Teachers are our future. Yeah. To pay our teachers more and our nurses more. Agreed. So he meets the guy, Andrew, at the gas station because he feels like there's going to be people around if I need help, if I need to be rescued in case things go down, you know, and Keith says, wow, you really have to be this careful when you're selling a gun. And he says, well, I do because I have too much to lose. I have a family and I have a job that I love the most. He is like the happiest, most grateful guy for his life. And I just love it so much. So Drew meets Andrew and goes over all the details with him about the gun and the sale. Drew draws up a bill of sale and they each keep a copy for their records. And Andrew shows Drew a photo ID. Okay, I don't blame Drew for this. He is just following the law. Drew is a careful guy. He keeps copies of everything. He keeps all of their emails, all of their texts. He keeps the posts on uh, arms list. He even writes down Andy's license plate number as he's leaving. As he's driving away. As he's driving away. Drew is incredible. Drew gets contacted by the police and he's terrified that he's in trouble. And he immediately thinks it's the gun. He thinks I misinterpreted the Iowa gun sale laws because, of course, he looked up the gun sale laws in Iowa because he's so conscientious and he thinks I'm going to jail. I'm terrified. Drew is our people. And I'm going to lose my family and my job that I love so much and my other job at the gas station. He could not be more our people. No, he's (laughs) just anxiety ridden. Yeah, wonderful. Yes. Love him. So the police say, we think that the gun you sold was used to kill someone. And he feels terrible, which is also us. He is a guilt-ridden person. And he has gone to therapy since then, called BetterHelp. He feels so guilt-ridden that he took part in this murder accidentally. Even tangentially. That's crazy. So Drew gives the police anything that he can to help. He has photos of the weapon and it even has the red light pointer on it. You remember the mom saw a red light. He keeps photos of the bullets. He keeps photos of the cartridge, everything. He kept actual bullets, didn't he? He saved 63 casings from the bullets from this gun that he no longer owns. And I can't tell if he's just that conscientious. He's a pack rat or because they're metal and he loves metal. Oh. Maybe he wants to like melt down the metal or study the properties of the metal. Maybe he does want to melt it down and sell it. I think he might drive his wife crazy. Yeah, but I love him. True. I do too. I mean, it's the good kind of crazy, but I think 
marriage just comes with a lot of stuff. The small things could drive you crazy. So if you've got somebody saving bullet casings in a tiny box somewhere that's taking up shelf room and you have precious little shelf room. That's exactly what I was thinking. I think he has in the garage, those shelves with the little drawers and they all have like, Oh, like the librarian cabinets. Yeah, I know what you're talking The apothecary cabinets. Those are the coolest. Yes. Different kinds of screws and washers and bullet shells. And they're labeled and there's an Excel sheet about it. Yes, there's totally an Excel sheet because he keeps inventory of how much he has of each thing. Absolutely. I think Drew is the most conscientious person we've ever had on Dateline. Imagine... You work for a company that wants to find employees like Drew, and instead you find bags of wieners that make copies of their butts on the Xerox machine and then hand out the copies to everyone in accounting, inviting them to a full moon party. That's what is going on in the workplace right now. Workable is the solution for all types of businesses, all sizes of businesses from big to small. They can help you find Drew-level employees. Workable helps you post all the jobs you're trying to fill to more than 200 job boards with one click. It helps you evaluate and hire quickly with video interviews and e-signatures, and it can help you automate those tedious tasks like scheduling interviews. There are 46% more jobs being posted than before the pandemic, and there are 44% fewer candidates applying to each one. If you're not good at percentages, that means there's more jobs available, less candidates. So it's hard out there for people hiring. Whether you're hiring for your coffee shop or your engineering team or your metal detector sales company, hire Drew. He'd be great at that. Workable helps you find the right people fast so that you can get to work. You can start hiring today with a risk-free 15-day trial. And if you hire during that trial, which a lot of people do, it's still free. Just go to workable.com to start hiring. Workable is hiring made easy. Let's get to work, people. Work, work. You better work. Work. Another thing I love about Drew is that- Work it, Drew. (laughs) Another thing I love about Drew is that he's super efficient and probably doesn't waste time and money meal planning or eating takeout. He's probably a HelloFresh dude. He's absolutely a HelloFresh guy. And everyone out there should become HelloFresh people because HelloFresh is the best. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and you can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit and Kimberly and Katie's number one meal kit. With HelloFresh, you get the pre-portioned ingredients, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week. So you get convenience without skimping on quality. We're talking farm-fresh, folks. Skip the trip to the grocery store, saving you the long wait in lines and making sure that you don't waste money on excess food. Like when I bought all the cheese that was on manager's special. (laughs) And then I realized I didn't also buy crackers. So I was having to put cheese on tortilla chips. I put it on salt and vinegar potato chips, which is what I had. I was putting cheese on things that cheese should not be on to try to eat all this manager special cheese because that's how you get the fancy cheese at a bargain. And it's questionable. I'm trying to think what cheese doesn't go good on. Bananas. It's not great to have cheese that has a lot of salt on a salty chip. It's too much. 
is too much salt. Let me just say a lot of good cheese went bad that month. And that wouldn't have happened if I had pre-portioned ingredients delivered to my door at that time. I remember. Cheesegate. (laughs) It was upset. Summer of 2018. You're still grieving. Yeah. It was a disgusting time. Very cheesy. Warm yourself up from the inside out with limited time recipes inspired by cozy classics from all around the world, like beef tenderloin and cheese fondue. See, that would have been perfect. Cheese fondue. Why, where were you, HelloFresh? Don't dip bananas in it. Don't dip bananas in the cheese fondue. I needed HelloFresh at this time. Or you could try miso sesame shrimp and bacon ramen. If you're a ramen lover out there, high five. HelloFresh also offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your order online or in the app. You can change your delivery day, your food preferences, and plan size. Also, you can just skip a week whenever you need to. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week. So there's lots of options, including veggie, fit and wholesome, family-friendly, and gourmet options that gives you plenty of variety. I like that Oliver and I get to be adventurous and we get to try things like Caribbean-style curry beef bowls over mango cauliflower rice. Oh. Who am I? I love cauliflower rice. It's the best. Or we can pick items that we know are going to be a home run, like garlic butter shrimp scampi. That's just going to be a win. And with HelloFresh doing it, it's going to be a double win. Plus, it's a fun way for me to get better in the kitchen. And then maybe we won't have another cheese fiasco of the summer of 2018. (laughs) We shan't speak of it again. So what are you waiting for? HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit for a reason. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Dateline16 and use code Dateline16 for up to 16 free meals. And you get three free gifts. And I guarantee you the gifts are better than manager special cheese. I don't know what manager special. Does that mean they were discount? That means they've got a big label on it because they're about to go wrong. Expires in yesterday. We don't know what the standards are for cheese going off time. So it's just you take a gamble, but you can get some fancy cheese for less. And I am all about that life. That's a big risk but not if you don't have crackers. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Dateline16 and get on this deal. Use code Dateline16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. America's number one meal kit. Hello, it's Valentine's Day. It's time to get fresh in your kitchen. Ooh, and sensual. No? Yeah, that's getting fresh. You're getting fresh with, you get fresh with someone in your kitchen. But this time you're getting fresh with Caribbean curry beef bowls. It's not like, don't get fresh with me. It's like, get fresh with me on Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's like, please get fresh with me in my kitchen with butter, garlic, shrimp, scampi. I gotcha. Thank you, HelloFresh. Thank you, HelloFresh. At this point, we briefly go back to Justin's parents for no reason other than the fact that Keith gets to say to them, you were completely buffaloed by this whole thing. That's a good enough reason for me. I've never heard that expression, and I wish I used it every day. Well, you can. For moving forward, this is your time. It felt like a dentist. Oh, for sure. But I think it's a real expression. I'm sure we're going to get letters. I've never heard it. Buffaloed. Is it specific to Iowa? Is he using the local vernacular? That seems like local. Yeah, it does. So Drew does a photo lineup. And he's 90% sure that the guy he sold the gun to was David. But the guy he sold the gun to had a hat and sunglasses on. Now, as much as I love dear Drew, 
This is, I feel like, his one mistake because I sort of feel like hat and sunglasses defeats the purpose of the ID check. Here's the deal. Drew knows that. Yeah, Drew feels bad enough. He does feel bad, and I think he really wished that it hadn't been brought up on television. Because he was so conscientious. It was his one flub. Within the parameters of the fact that you're allowed to sell a weapon online to someone that you don't know. Yeah, that seems crazy. Which is insane to me. He did the best that he could, and he was within the laws. And he probably was way more conscientious than most of the sellers out there. If you were doing this crime, this is not who you would want to buy the gun from. Let's just put it that way. No, you want a guy who has a sign on his truck outside of the gas station, Got want a gun? It's weird, too, that you wouldn't back out of this deal after he was like, OK, just bring your ID and do this and this and this. If I was on the phone with this guy, I would see how conscientious he was and be like, eh, I'm going to try to find one somewhere else. Yep. hmm. Because I'm surprised he didn't ask him to take his sunglasses off to check the ID. He must have had a slip up. He had a hard day at work. We don't know what he was dealing with at that time. He's just trying to get his metal detector. So they show a photo lineup with David. He's 90% sure it's David. They show him a photo lineup with Andrew's photo in it. And he says, huh, that's really strange. The guy I sold it to looks like this other guy, David. But this guy in this photo lineup looks more like the ID photo. And they show us a side-by-side of David and Andrew, and they do look very similar. They look like white, blonde guys. Like their, their coloring is the same, and they just both look like dudes. So in David Moffitt's house, police also find a receipt for food from a Dollar General in the town of the gun purchase, which again is 90 miles away. And it's like from the day of the gun purchase. So he also went to buy food. They go to the video footage of that Dollar General and the person on the video is wearing a hat and sunglasses, but he takes off the sunglasses and it's clearly David Moffat. So David is the one who bought the murder weapon using Andy's ID. Police pick up David 15 hours after the murder. We are only 15 hours. We're not even a day. I am so impressed. I was shocked. These detectives are incredible. But also some luck. They had some massive luck with that impounding the car. And if that second cop hadn't impounded the car, they never would have searched that area, found the shoebox, the whole thing. Still, this is incredible work. Very quickly. Very, very quickly. It's incredible. I mean, and Angie gave them David's name. So she's a hero too. So they bring in David. He asks for a lawyer right away. And then they kind of go on about like the detectives handing him a phone book and sitting with him for like an hour and he never finds his lawyer. And I felt like, was that shade? He can't even find a lawyer. It's kind of sad. Is it sad? He's an idiot. They're like, oh, it's David Moffat again. <laughs> Have my secretary take the call. I'm not interested. So- Police now realize that Angie and Justin's mother's lack of emotion was just shock and they are completely off the hook. Thank goodness. Angie 
meanwhile feels horrible. She says, if it was David, then that means it's all my fault. And Keith says to her, what do you mean by that? Which is very funny because it's very obvious why she would feel like that, but it's in no way her fault. And he's very kind. And he says, if you hadn't ignored him, you think he suddenly would become Mr. Sweetness? Like he was gonna be messed up anyways. Also, Mr. Sweetness is Keith's nickname. So don't give someone else your nickname. Mr. Sweetness, Mr. Air Fried Delicacies. It is Valentine's Day after all. Yeah. How did David get Andrew's ID? Yeah. That's a big question. Or was Andrew involved? They're still wondering if Andrew's involved. So at David's house, police find a laptop being soaked in a red tub. And Keith says, you know how computers hate water. (laughs) Yes, we do. So they also find in this tub, it's like everything involved in the crime is in this tub. He's just trying to like soak the evidence away, apparently. So they find matching ammo to the casings at the murder scene. And they find shoes that match the shoebox that was found by the car crash scene, which is where they find the the receipt in the shoebox that matched to Andrew Wegener getting an oil change. Sorry, what else is in the shoebox? Is it just stuffed with receipts? No, it looked like that tissue paper that comes in shoeboxes. And then random oil change receipts? Exactly. And I think it's only in the shoebox because he didn't want it to blow away. That's so dumb. Okay, all right. He didn't plant it there because he didn't want them to find that area. That was where he had the car crash. So it was like he had it in his car. He was trying to get rid of it. I don't totally understand why it was there. I think that's exactly right. He was trying to get rid of it. And so he was like making some dumb decisions towards this point is what I think is happening. He clearly got into a car accident on the way home from the murder because he was driving really fast. He missed that turn. And then he knew there might be someone coming by. So he just wanted to get rid of the receipt. I would have swallowed it. And then he couldn't get back there because the car was taken in, right? It was impounded, right. So he couldn't get back and switch it. So he was kind of hosed at that point. But he had the receipt because he wanted to frame Andy. So he kind of did want it to be found but I don't think he wanted it to be found near his car. So it all got all mishmashed. Also, they are Novato shoes, which I haven't heard of, but they're not happy being on Dateline, I don't think. No idea. So on the computer, they are able to find some stuff, even though it was waterlogged. They find the fake Andy ID stuff. So he had made an ID for Andy and fake Andy email addresses. David also stole the oil change receipt from Andy's car. He like broke into Andy's car, took that receipt to frame Andy. He doesn't even seem to know Andy, but he knows they both dated Angie. So it was a fake ID that he showed, Drew? Yeah. I have to believe it was very good because Drew wouldn't fall for a fake ID. We will be stating that that was an excellently made ID by a moron. I feel like he did a good job because it's Drew. Drew is very conscientious. Okay, so he's trying to frame Andrew. In the sweatshirt found at the scene, there was a random sweatshirt there that didn't belong to anybody in the house. There is a receipt, another receipt for a boat registration. And this one, the police cannot figure out for a while. It's not related to Andy Wegener or David Moffat. Finally, they figure out that the boat 
is registered to the father of a registered sex offender that lives nearby. So essentially, David is trying to frame two people just in case. I think that's his backup. Yeah. I think the sex offender is his backup. Like one of them will take. Yeah. But why would a sex offender come in and shoot? Okay, that's fine. Yeah, no, sex offender would have no reason to go in and shoot a man in the middle of the night. So they start the trial for David. They believe he threw the gun in the lake at some point. They don't have the weapon, but thank goodness for Drew. They do have a lot of stuff. Drew is really a hero. Also, David is actually dumb. He is quite dumb and has left a lot of evidence. So as convoluted as this plan is, and you might think he's really smart, he's done a lot of really dumb things. It's really complicated in a dumb way. He almost made it too complicated. Correct. That's what I mean. And that made it was dumber. Yeah. Right. So addition to the like the shell casings and the, you know, all the stuff they found at the house, the shoes and stuff like that. He also has a Kindle with a map of Justin's neighborhood and there's a flashlight and there's no fingerprints on the flashlight because he wore gloves but there are fingerprints on the batteries inside the flashlight. So he didn't wear gloves when he was putting the batteries in. And during the trial, Justin's brother is watching David and David goes, oh shoot, I cannot believe I did that. I've made a huge mistake. He's like slapping himself on the forehead. I can't believe the batteries are going to get me on this. I love it that that's the thing. I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for those pesky (laughs) batteries, man. (laughs) What's wrong with you? There's also really dumb, odd Google searches. Mark suspicious Google searches off your bingo cards. One of them is for a book called The Only Murdering Murder Guide You'll Ever Need. And Keith says, seriously. Dumb people buying other dumb people's books. Is that an Amazon book? Is that like self-published? It's got to be self-published, right? (laughs) Exactly. And no shame in self-publishing. Dare I say that is the bad side to an English major, self-publishing a book called The Only Murdering Murder Guide You'll Ever Need. I think it's very generous that you think that that was that person went to school and did that. Mm -hmm. I think it's very generous. There are also other Google searches, convicted crimes of passion. So he's already planning that it is a crime of passion, which is not how crimes of passion work. Did you love him? What are you talking about? He is premeditating. No, because he loves Angie. He is premeditating the fact that it's a crime of passion. But the definition of a crime of passion, I think, is that it's maybe it's not that it's premeditated, but it's passionate. So anyways, he's Googling that. He's Googling traffic cameras in Grimes. He's Googling. Oh, boy. What does hell look like? I He's not smart. He's not smart. He's just really confused and conflicted is what's happening. This is like someone who's going through just a bunch of mental turmoil. Yeah. And really should just have gone to see a therapist instead of committing a murder. Yeah. He does look up, where can I speak to a priest who is bound to secrecy? So he seems very concerned with his fate in the afterlife. His mortal soul. That's what he's the most concerned with. Yeah. So he wants to speak to a priest that won't tell on him. 
absolve him. The prosecutor thinks David was upset about Angie dumping him. And then the wound was reopened when he started working with Justin. And then Justin got engaged to Angie. So they don't think he got that job on purpose, which is what I totally assumed. Me too. Do you, what do you think now? What's your thought now? I mean, these detectives were on it. So here's a coincidence, by the way. This might be an actual coincidence. I would need like proof that he got transferred there on his own and he didn't do the research. The time span between when he was dumped by Angie and then the murder was almost a full year. So it does sort of seem like he wasn't totally obsessed or planning a murder that whole time. Right. I don't know. It's very strange. It would be a crazy coincidence. That's for sure. So Keith says to the prosecutor, I know there's a pretty high bar to be considered insane in the legal system, but that's pretty crazy. And the lawyer says, well, he had a goal and he planned it and he achieved it. So, I mean, by that logic, he is better than I am because he's very productive and goal oriented. So good for him. Now we all feel terrible. Yeah. The defense says, indeed, David is legally insane. That's how they are going to play this. Get him off on an insanity plea. I was shocked. Yeah. We don't see that very often on Dateline, almost ever, because it's so hard to prove that bar. A controversial doctor takes the stand and says that the antidepressants that David had been taking for years caused him to murder. So it was drug-induced violence. He interviewed David and David told him, told the doctor, it was like being in a video game. He even had thought about killing someone else, but we never find out who. And I was like, who? Someone else was in danger. Yeah, that's true. Who was he going to kill? Was he going to kill someone else in the house? I'm wondering. Or was it somebody totally random and he just wanted to kill someone? Yeah, like at a gas station. So Angie is disgusted watching this defense. Like she gets so upset because she was involved in this that he would just try to get off on this insanity plea. After seven hours, the jury finds him guilty of murder. They don't go for the insanity plea and he gets life without parole. The prosecutors explain the insanity plea is that you don't understand the consequences of your actions or you don't understand the difference between right or wrong. And that's really a hard bar to meet. Yeah. Keith reminds us if coincidentally a constellation of coincidences, what was it? A consternation of coincidences, a a coincidence consternation. There we go. That's not. That's for me. Keith can have it, though. Those two cops hadn't been at the right place at the right time. Keith says he probably would have gotten caught. But, you know, and he's talking to the second cop, hot cop. And the cop said, I'm just grateful that I was able to trust my instinct because that's what they teach us. And Keith says, if somebody seems a little hinky, maybe he is. Okay, a few things. (laughs) Hinky. Hinky. Hinky Pinky. Hinky. Hinky. Christy Hinkley, the guy who shot Reagan. Yeah. How do we feel about him saying Hinky? I love it. But so now we've gotten buffaloed and Hinky. I love it. 
I'm not going to tell Dennis or direct his attention to this episode. I'm just hoping he didn't see it. Yeah, I'm hoping Dennis didn't see. I'm hoping Dennis is not listening. Because Dennis might get mad. Seek revenge on Keith? No. Dennis is too kind for that. I just think he might lean in an upcoming episode is what I'm saying. (laughs) I think we might see Dennis doing some things that are maybe wearing Converse. Yeah. I think there could be something coming. Uh Uh-huh. So let's just keep our eyes open for that. I love it. Okay. Then we're going to see like Josh wearing white pants and we're going to see Keith raising his eyebrows and smirking at someone and wearing a hanky. Exactly. You know, something funny that I thought about, the cop is very pro, like he says it a couple of times that this is something that he trained for. He's a very good spokesperson for why people should go into law enforcement. Mm -hmm. We learned this on the force and he uses that sort of sensibility a few times. And I thought, yeah, I'd join up. Yeah, I'll do that. I want to I want to learn things and better myself and better my community. He was good. That's all I'm saying. Mm hmm. He should be on posters. He looks great in uniform. And in commercials. And he makes that funny joke about being bald. And so I loved that. And very dryly. It was very sly. He just slipped it in. Yeah. Good job. Love it. Precious moments is that Justin's coworkers built a house with Habitat for Humanity in his honor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Amazing. And then we end with Angie talking about how the wedding was two months out and she had the dress and everything and she keeps it in her mom's basement because she can't look at it, but she's not getting rid of it. That's the last line. Keats asks her where the dress is and she goes, it's in a box in my mom's basement. And then Lester Holt comes on and I was like, don't you dare end with that. (laughs) Tears. Tears. You bring that at the end to just the box in the basement. We don't find out she didn't get remarried. We don't know. We don't know what's happened to her in the meantime. Okay, I have a pitch. All right, I'm ready. I've got a catch. Get Angie back together with Andrew who was being framed. Andy Wagoner? Wagoner. They had a healthy breakup. They still were friends and lived together even after they broke up. They lived together for three years. They have no bad blood, only mad love. And- Come on. Maybe he's not with that girlfriend anymore. I think I might have bad news. Sorry, I'm not the girlfriend. That's what I made it sound like. (laughs) 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 Andy Wagoner is- I hate to break it to you. My stepbrother. Okay, here we go. I think if they were good enough friends that they were living together amicably after they broke up. There was no spark. They don't have a future romantically, right? Yeah, that makes sense. That just means they are forever just like, we are great friends. It is not there for us to be together because that would have already happened. But who else would be able to comprehend this horrible tragedy that happened? He was also involved in it. This might be one of those circumstances that you need someone that doesn't comprehend it, that this is sort of your trauma. You'll handle it. Someone who's supportive, but hasn't lived it. That's okay too. Right. That makes sense. Okay. So I'm not shipping Angie and Andrew anymore, except I still am a little. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to change your mind. You can ship whomever you want. I'm shipping myself and Drew for sure. I'm shipping you and Drew in a throuple with his wife, because I feel like he has nine children. And the hot cop. It's a quad with the hot cop, too. Oh, and a quad. A quaddle. Great. We're back to the quaddles. Okay. We have a very special promo for you guys this week. Oh, boy, do we. Our 
friend, Adam, who is our editor, who is amazing, has a podcast called Daily Misinformer that we were recently on. We had the weirdest, wildest. There was improv. I loved it. There was a crime that turned out not to be a crime. There was throwing eggs at Jeff Bezos's boat. There was lots of wackiness. It was so much fun. Detective Ron John. Ron John. Was, and you have to say it with the pauses because that's about what it was. <laughs> Might have been my favorite thing so far in 2022. Ron John, but not Ron John Silver because that's his father. That got me. <laughs> I kept laughing at that later. <laughs> Long after he had said it, I was still laughing at that. (laughs) I couldn't do it. We had so much fun. Please, please check out this promo. Subscribe to them. Follow them on social media. Five stars. Five stars. Leave them five stars. They have a TikTok account where they do content constantly, where they're like making fun of today's news and stuff. They're improv based. They're just really, really funny. Extra, extra, hear all about it. The Daily Misinformer is your next favorite podcast. Everybody talks about the news you need to know. Here at the Daily Misinformer, we're here to tell you about the news you need to joke about. What else are you going to do when you hear headlines like Man Throws Alligator Through Wendy's drive through or Groom's Mom Discovers Bride Is Her Long Lost Daughter on Wedding Day? Those are all real stories, and we want to tell you about them. Every week, the writers of the Daily Misinformer TikTok account pick some of the most unbelievably true stories and tell you about them. We also play games about pop culture. We talk to strangers on the internet. And we're joined by some famous guests. Hey, Mike Lindell and Joe Biden, you've been on the show, right? It's a HIPAA violation for you to ask me about that. (laughs) Come on, man. There's a lot of misinformation out there. So why not figure out what's real while also having a real good time with the Daily Misinformer podcast? Dropping every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Why aren't we that funny? I don't know. We got to up our game. I know. We got to get TikTok on fire. I don't know what that means, but we got to TikTok <laughs> fire. I don't. I couldn't think of anything else to say. See, because I'm not that funny. I got nothing. <laughs> so follow these guys because they're great. Follow these guys. They're so funny. So B-roll bonanza. There was so much. The state fair with some famous politicians. Not going to say who because I don't want to trigger anybody because whoever I mention will trigger someone. <laughs> Yeah, so just leave it. Justin's parents walking with umbrellas. It's very sweet. The red and green, did it signify something? I don't know. No, no, either. Okay. Angie walking through a field of flowers like she was in a Levi's commercial. Okay. Was it a field of flowers slash weeds or was Andy walking through skitters in the rush? No, it's Angie and skitters in the rough. Angie. Walking through skitters in the rush. Rough. I keep writing that wrong. Okay, was she walking through skitters? No, because I don't think that's what skitters are. We still don't know what skitters are that much. It's either deer poop or like piles of dirt. Something like that. I'm purposefully not Googling it because I want it to be what I need it to be in the moment. But I thought that was really interesting. We haven't seen that before. She's walking through this really tall grass with all these little yellow dandelions. Yes, some sort of pretty weeds. Yeah. It did absolutely look like a Lancome, one of those perfume commercials, you know, that Julia Roberts is in for sure. Yeah. Also, she gets a classic sitting down, staring out into nothing. One of those shots. We see the pregnant reporter strutting around the office. 
You bet. We see Keith leaning on the cop car when he says the word hinky. It's great. We see Drew walking down the street and working on his laptop on a table with a very large and noticeable coffee cup stain. But I don't know it's whose table that was. That seems right to me, though. It does seem right to me. He doesn't have time to clean up those stains or use a coaster. He has metal to detect. We see him doing it. We see him detectoring in the front yard. We certainly do. And that strap, it makes it almost look like, I think if you were driving by, you would think he was an exterminator or a ghostbuster. Let me ask you a question. If you got into detectoring, would you be embarrassed? To do it in public? Would you do it in places where people wouldn't drive? You wouldn't go out to your front little area, right? Would I? Yeah. Would you? You know what? The new me doesn't really care what people think. So I, but no, I would not do it. I would still care. Yeah. I might too. I want to say that I wouldn't. But I love that he doesn't, that he just does it. Me too. It makes me like him more because he just is like, no, I'm good. Mm -hmm. This is what I do. This is my hobby. Yeah. I mostly wouldn't do it because I don't like to draw attention to myself, if that makes sense, or know where I live because I've watched a lot of Dateline. So I don't want to like draw attention. This girl lives here and she walks around with metal detector all the time. She probably has valuables inside of her house that are made of metal. Oh, that's a good point. I was more doing it from an antisocial perspective of just, I don't want to carry on a conversation because it takes a lot. Also the teens, the mean teens, Someone sent us a meme that was like, I'm working at a school and this new student saw me walking with an empty water bottle and said, dang, you were thirsty. And then all the other kids started laughing. And she's like, they're even making fun of me for drinking water. It can be the smallest thing. It can be nothing. It can be something made up that just ruins your week, month, year. Disastrous. So what would they say about a metal detectorist? I don't want to know. I don't either. I feel like they'd put fake stuff in the lawn, like horrible stuff. Oh, maybe. They'd try to trick you and then they'd watch from behind trees. And then just you'd see them all grouped together and start laughing when you found somebody's mom's denture. You'd find something terrible that would had like metal in it. And they'd be like, oh, they found my grandma's dentures. Oh, They'd take a bag of dog poop and wrap it in tinfoil and then bury it. And you'd be so excited or they put it in a little fancy box. So you'd think you'd found coins. Like I would immediately think I had found silver. And so I'd be so excited. And then you'd open it up and it'd be dog poop. That's what teens do. What else did I miss of B-roll? You missed the incredible courthouse that I've never seen a courthouse like that. Did you see that with like the circular awning staircase thing? And they do a lot of close-ups of the engravings on the side, like on the walls that have the constitution or whatever. I don't know what it was. It looks like, I don't know. It looks like a courthouse in Venice to me. Anyway, it was gorgeous. It was so fancy. Marble things. Yeah, it was unbelievable. The cops at one point, Detective Bartholomew and the other, what was the other one's name? They had a good duo name. Hopper. Hopper, yeah. They're at one point in front of a big map and they're sort of like in shadow. Mm-hmm. Which is hilarious because they solved this crime in 15 hours. I don't even know if they had time to do a map or a murder wall with red string. What were they mapping? Maybe where the car accident was compared to the murder scene, where they think he dropped the gun, where the gun was bought 90 miles away. 
probably stuff that wasn't necessary to have on a map, but it was good dateline. It was good B-roll. Yeah, it was good. Then also, did you get the photos and albums? We get them at the very end. The really nice albums. Yes. Yep. The parents did a good job. And the parents, by the way, Weldon and Marie. Weldon is the dad's name. I don't think I've heard that name before. I liked it. Weldon. I like that. Weldon is kind of like welding. Is there a through line here at all? No. Could I get there as a title? No, I see that. Weldon. Congratulations. Well done. Oh, because well done. Instead of congratulations. Congratulations. Well done. I wonder if you got made fun of as a kid. I hope not. But teens, they're not going to let a name like that go. Titles. Mine aren't that good if it helps. That helps. I only have one that I'm very happy with. Let's go. Okay. I'm going to start with the ones I'm least happy with. Okay. Something with Drews, two Drews, because there's a Drew and an Andrew, win, lose, or draw. That doesn't make sense. I don't know where I was going with that. I don't know. Sweet smell of murder, because they thought he smelled sweet. That was good. Uppercase nerd. Yep, that's good. When in doubt, suspect all about. Yep. Murder detector and the BS detector. There you go. Who is Keith, also the cops. Completely buffaloed. Habitat for inhumanity. Oh, okay. And my one that I'm actually happy with, Angie's list of exes. We have a very rare double. Yes, that never happens. I had Angie's list for murder, but I like Angie's list of exes better. That's great. Angie's list of suspects? Unsure. That's great. Look at us. Double whammy. That's great. I'm impressed. Any others? That never happens. I had one other good one, pretty much. Drew detects deception. Mm-hmm. I love it. That was all I had. And then I have a really serious one that I'm not going to do because you're sometimes a mean teenager yourself and make fun of me. No. Is it a chance for Jeffrey? It's bad. It's worse. It's the grief wave because they say it at the end. Oh, Katie. It's sad. It's about the wave of grief. And it made me really sad. But then it was also, we keep seeing Angie go into, it's these like reeds. I don't know how to describe what she's walking through. It's just really tall, Mm -hmm. reedy grass. And so it like kind of waves. And I was like, oh, that's the grief wave. I don't know. That's where I went with it. It was a very sad ending to this. The case was fascinating, but the ending was just so sad. You see how the parents, you know, and then with her with the wedding dress, it was like, oh, my gosh. And also so senseless. It was just this idiot. Yep. How frustrating is that? It was an incel who couldn't handle being rejected by a woman. Right. And how long did he plan this for? Over a year? No. Why? They. She said she'd cut it off with him a year before. 11 months. I don't know if he was planning it that whole time. So you think he really just started planning it when they worked together at Wells Fargo? I don't know if I buy that, but that's what the police seem to think. But wasn't that still eight months before? Maybe. Mm -mm. I didn't like the looks of Moffat either. Moffat. I really tried to get somewhere with Moffat, with Miss Moffat. Little Mr. Moffat. Went on the docket is how far I got. That's how far I got and I couldn't (laughs) get anywhere else. So I stopped. I was like, this is going to take an hour and that defeats the purpose. You know what, guys, we don't have time to focus on these titles. We have a off, 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 off Broadway musical called Living It Up in Lebanon to be working. Yeah. Right now we have 
uh, six bars, light choreo. Yeah. <laughs> we need a lot of work. But now we have some ideas for new numbers. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please check out our Patreon where we do bonus episodes and 90 Day Fiance and other fun stuff. We also are on Instagram and Twitter. It's fun stuff. Follow us there. It's really fun. It's a jolly good time. Check it out. Yeah. And leave us any suggestions for living it up in Lebanon on that post where I posted part of the clip. We love suggestions. I couldn't even post the whole thing because it basically went on the whole episode. Apologies for that. If you absolutely hated it, you're going to hate that episode. So I don't know who could possibly hate that. Maybe a theater critic. Thank you, everybody. Definitely check out Adam's podcast. Yes. Daily Misinformer. So don't watch alone and detect your own treasure. Be your own detected treasure. Be the treasure that you detect in your heart. It's beautiful. Happy Valentine's. Be your own Valentine. Yeah, for sure. Bye. Bye. But how much do you wish you had found a man to date when you were 30 that had prized fruit trees? Because that's a kind of guy who is not dragging you out to bars or parties. He will stay home and watch Great British Bake Off with you. Yeah. Or there was like an unnatural attachment to the trees. Oh, he loved the trees too much. It was the trees themselves. But then maybe also hates animals because they mess with the trees. These are the prized possession and your sort of second fiddle. Oh, gosh. I hope not. I don't think that's what happened in this case at all. And then you see the therapist. You guys go to couples counseling and the counselor's like, how is it going? And you say, there are three people in this marriage, Dr. Johnson, me, him, and the trees. (laughs) Those orange trees, it's a thruple. And I did not contend to be part of a plural marriage. The tree that makes you turn a blind eye to any second fiddling is if there are avocado trees. Because that's gold. It's green gold. I was just going to say that. You could sell those. Screw those silver bars buried out in Las Vegas. Give me an avocado tree. I'm still very into the bars that are buried underground in the high desert. But I really, I would love an avocado tree. Remember when our friend Stephanie had the avocado tree? No, maybe I wasn't into avocados then. She would just fill up bags for me and they were so sweet. Oh, it's the best. They usually are. I met with a funeral director once who was maybe 21. Wow. Do you have to go to schooling for that or no? I don't think he did, but it made it seem like it seemed like he was in school now. But I think that he the feeling that I got is it's sort of like someone in their dad's suit a little bit, like a little bit. And so it was just but he was so overly polite that it was sort of sweet Aww. because I think you have to make up for your age kind of thing. It was adorable. There was some adorableness happening there. And also they're there in an unbelievably sensitive time, right? And so, yeah, I don't know. He had like dimples. It was a lot. Then you feel like you have to work to be like, no, no, you're fine. It's okay. No, it's okay. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. You're doing a great job, Johnny. Johnny, you're doing great. Is your mom around? Can I tell her how proud she should be of you? Yeah, we're not going to break down in front of you. This is okay, man. We're okay. Yeah, it's it's a lot of that. (laughs) We're probably your first client. It's fine. You're doing such a good job. You did such a good job. I'll leave you a review on Yelp. Yeah. (laughs) 